never before in the history of sports podcasts have two men brought you opinion and analysis like these two. They speak for a city that's desperate for wins and titles, not whining and travesty. You might not agree with what they have to say, but you'll defend their right to say it. Sports fans across the world, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Mac and Reed Show. What it do, baby? Welcome into another edition of The Mac and Reed Show right here on the Barroom Network. Remember, you can catch all our previous shows on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, under the Barroom Network tab, and follow us on social media. Follow me at The Real Evan Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed. Mm-hmm. And a good day to you, sir, in your new home. We were just good talking afternoon. about the lights behind yeah. uh, Congrats, first of all. It's always great to uh, find a new home. And you were telling me about all of these different plates, and mm-hmm. Ross was telling me that they are each from a different location. They're from a location, yeah. So what my wife and I started a tradition um, about ooh, over 12 years ago now where every time we would visit somewhere new, we would get a souvenir plate from that specific location. It was a must on on the list uh, for, for every time we traveled. So uh, behind me over my shoulder are just a few of the plates. We probably have about 15 to 17 total. Um, there's Arizona in the corner, Montreal, Korea, Barcelona, Denver, Rome, Puerto Rico right there. And then I got Madrid over there and Vegas and New York and couple from California and Puerto Vallarta and Dominican Republic, a whole bunch of places. And was Korea romantic? What were your thoughts there? So Korea, uh, April's one of April's uh, good friends from college. Her father is a brigadier general um, in the army. And um, the reason why we went to Korea is he was stationed out there. and He invited all of us to go and to visit. So that was a, a trip that we all went. We also saw him get uh, inaugurated as Brigadier General at the Pentagon. There is a DC plate up there somewhere. Um, so you know he's been all over the world, and, and he's um, invited all of us to some of the different places that he's been stationed at. It's actually really cool. He's uh, you know, he's a true military guy. Um, thank you, of course, to his services to Brigadier General Dunn and uh, for inviting us out to Korea. On the heels of Memorial Day, thank you for I his need. Yeah, that's that's a reason to go to to Korea. Yeah, um, brutal flight. On the oh man, I bet uh, <laughs> that, that was probably the worst out of the places you mentioned. I would, I would imagine it was. Yeah, that's the longest I've been on a flight. I mean, I've been to um, you know Spain twice in Italy, um, which was not that that's bad. Not, yeah, yeah, but uh, that's well, the one. If people have not seen, you were in North Korea, you said. Yeah, no, South Korea. North South Korea. I didn't think yeah. you were North Korea. Say, we don't, uh, we don't get allowed in North Korea. If I was in North Korea, <laughs> like, yeah, North, so I would rather go to South Korea. I would have got day. the Britney Griner treatment. They would, I would have stuck, <laughs> stuck yeah. there. <laughs> What's this medicine you have, sir? You been, <laughs> your ass would have been not allowed to come back. All right, packed show today, guys. All all of Ross's plates aside, <laughs> and uh, yeah, Jordan, the motherland, Puerto Rico. That's but tough. we are talking about the Bears to lead off more offseason headlines. Mm-hmm. NBA Finals is set. Celtics and Warriors tipping off tomorrow, uh, and that should be exciting. Uh, wow. The the young and up and coming team realizing their potential, 
against the Warriors with a lot of playoff experience. That's very exciting. We'll touch on the Cubs and Sox and other headlines as well. You know, Brady and Mahomes and and Allen and all of them are uh, teeing off in, in that golf match in Vegas right now. It'll be interesting yep. to see how they all do. I think Mahomes is drinking already. <laughs> Not a sign that he's doing well. Uh, Josh Allen golfing with the shirtless Tom Brady ball, which is outstanding. And talk about uh, Ray Liotta, unfortunately, leaving us and talk about his legacy, which is a great one. And then we'll have a top five, which we'll be doing every week. And, and stay tuned for that. It is Top Gun related perhaps Ooh, one of my favorite actors absolutely so let's dive into it ross i mean the biggest news with the bears uh, as far as you know this recent week or so is we knew that he was probably on his way out the door and and testing free agent waters and he just signed a a year-long 10 million dollar deal that would be akeem hicks Mm -hmm. the center of that bears defense for a while there tough dude such a great presence in the locker room and on the field one of the most vocal guys and you rooted for him through injuries and and his experience man he's getting up there now too but at this point you got to go chase a ring it's great to go to a contender like that on a defense that has some youth and and really good experience he'll clog the middle it looks like Dominican Sue will be gone he'll be a rotational guy you know he'll he'll be there as much as he can play you know 50 percent of the snaps or whatever 40 percent um, so that's we knew that was going to be a loss for the Bears, anyways, and, and kind of just seeing what you have at nose tackle and and the rest of that defensive line going forward. But yeah, I wish him nothing but the best. I think any Bears fans would agree. Yeah, listen, Akeem Hicks was you know one of our favorite free agent signings that Ryan Pace did. You know, he came from you know his days as New Orleans Saint and then New England Patriots. Who you know, I, I thought the New England Patriots made a mistake by letting him go. Um, I think it's one of the, um, the 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 trail of mistakes that Bill Belichick has made over the years, and kind of uh, fine tuning that roster, which led to Tom Brady eventually leaving and going to Tampa Bay, which now Akeem Hicks will be uh, you know paired up with him again. I think Akeem Hicks uh, embodied uh, you know a Bears being a, a Bears football player that the black and blue division, the monsters of the midway. He was hard nosed. He was. Um, you know, very passionate football player, and I think he loved his time in Chicago. Chicago, and you know, there's, there's no, um, there's no you know, hard, you know, hard, hard thoughts or anything. These we wish him all nothing but the best. He did the right thing. He's going to a team that is a Super Bowl contender and has a need uh, for him because of that is gone, but also he doesn't have to play every snap on the field, which I don't think he can at this point in his career. He's uh, primarily a rotation guy, but anytime you get to line up uh, next to the line, it's super nasty for Tampa. And yeah, I'm happy for Akeem Hicks on his opportunity, and you know, we'll see how much you know, he has to him for him to finish his career with the Bears, but he has to do what's best for him right now, and that's go chase you know, a final check and, and go chase a ring. I will be remiss to, you know, completely off topic, but we did find out, you know, a couple minutes ago before the show, rest in peace to Marion Barber, former Chicago That's Bears running back, yeah. former Detroit, I mean, uh, excuse me, um, Dallas Cowboys uh, standout as well. Um, the Bears, unfortunately, have lost quite a few ex-running backs over the years, um, but, you know, rest in peace to him. He was found dead in his apartment. We don't know any of the details. Not that it matters. Um, we just, you know... Thoughts and right. prayers to his family, but we, we're just back to the Yes, absolutely. 
Dr. Akeem Hicks. Yeah, he did, I, it's, it was the right move for him. And, you know, we found out today, too, that the Bears, you know, made the June 1st cuts official with Danny Trevathan and Tariq Cohen. And those are two other guys that we wish nothing but the best for as well. And it just, you know, it's a little uh, somber because you wish that that era of, of Bears football ended a little better than what it did. Yeah, no question. I, I think, you know, the bright side of, you know, the departure of Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack money, it's the Bears and their cap space is a good story right now where, you know, they have a ton of cap space. They're sitting at a, a good amount, I should say. Um, active spending, dead money, all of that has just come a long way from where it was when um, they are bottom of the league as far as that's concerned. So that, you know, paves the way for with these rookies if they pan out and the youth of this team, you know, Roquan Smith going to get a big deal and, and obviously paying Eddie Jackson a lot of money. We'll see what happens with that. But, you know, of these, it's it's kind of that dead time right now where, we're, where you know, there's OTAs and minicamps just around the corner and rookie workouts and all this. And so you're just hearing a little bit from the beat reporters right now. But what else you, are you looking for within the summer? I know that I personally, again, that offensive line is going to be so oh, hopefully not terrible to watch just based on the recent history of sure. that unit. And blame Ryan Pace, blame injuries, blame whoever. But a big part of that line is going to be Tevin Jenkins. And I know that he has a big chip on his shoulder, how he wants to perform after having that surgery and missing a lot of his rookie campaign and then coming back and and playing some snaps and playing like a rookie. And you got to get the, you got to take your lumps. And Justin Fields would be the first guy to say that. Any any vet in the NFL would say that as well. Certainly rooting for him. I'm rooting for guys in new uniforms, guys, uh, you know, from Green Bay Packers, for instance, you know, coming over and uh, making their impact felt. And then hopefully working from inside out and building some cohesion. And, and what we've talked about that's important for Justin Fields going into the season is providing him protection and consistency and providing him a pocket. So he's not scrambling like he was at Ohio state or for most of the Bears season last year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, to kind of touch on, you know, the Bears offensive line, I think starting with, with Tevin Jenkins first, it was great to see that story come out this week about how he's lost all that weight already. And, you know, you know, me, my, my bat, my background is in health and fitness and, um, you know, coming off those catastrophic back injuries that he had, you know, out of college and, and, and his, you know, to start his career in the NFL, I thought that the last regime for the Bears were doing him a disservice by um, allowing him to carry that much weight. I know Juan Castillo last year wanted his offensive lineman um, a lot bigger on the field, whereas, you know, Ryan Poles and this, this, this regime wants them leaner and quicker and faster. And I just – I never like it when a young man, especially with, uh, with major back issues like that, is just constantly heavy and he just he carried too much weight for his frame i think that that was a detriment to how he played on the football field i think that was a detriment to how he was recovering from you know back issues and back surgery and stuff like that and i i'm really excited to see a much leaner slimmer tevin jenkins i think he's going to be a lot better football player on the football field listen i i think we're past the days of when your offensive linemen were these big fat guys in the field who just had to kind of come off the ball and just stand there and kind of, you know, do a pancake guy, you know, kind of like um, Orlando Pace, you know, Orlando Pace is, is a first battle hall of famer, but 
they don't really make offensive linemen like that anymore. These guys are, are jacked. These guys are strong. Um, these guys are able to be agile and move their feet. And, and they have to keep up with a lot of these pass rushers that, you know, A, you don't know where they're coming from. And B, these guys are are now 6'3", 6'4", you know, 240 pounds. You look at the, the other Josh Allen in Jacksonville, you see a guy like that coming off the edge of some of these other premier pass rushers. And you got to be able to, you know, to – to, to be able to get out there and get to them pretty quickly. And, and he couldn't do that, in my opinion, carrying that much weight. So I'm happy to see him lean down. Um, you know, other thing I'm happy to hear out, you know, as we, as we look at um, a lot of the stuff out in OTAs right now is, um, you know, we talked about it last show, the Bears, you know, working on um, Justin Fields' footwork, um, you know, allowing him to also, you know, kind of shorten up his delivery a little bit. But, you know, uh, Doug Farrar, you know, um, tweeted out yesterday that you know Justin Fields had a perfect passer rating when he was uh you know on the move on rollouts on, on play action. And I think that Luke Getzi is gonna work a lot on that with Justin Fields, get this young man out on the move, get him out on the edge and allow him to play to his strengths more. And, and you know, I, I think those are the things that you have to hope to see going forward. I think also when you do have questions on the offensive line the best thing that you can do is move the pocket for a, a mobile quarterback like fields which will buy him some more time to get to uh, to get out to these young uh weapons that need to develop yeah that's that's a whole question in itself too along with the offensive line and and talking about tevin jenkins i agree with you completely with how offensive linemen just need to be you know it's about quick feet to an extension, it's about the lower man winning uh, in the trenches there, too. And I think that Tevin Jenkins, there's something to be said for that flexibility, like guys incorporating yoga and incorporating Pilates. Look what it did for Jake Arrieta. Uh, mm-hmm. But look, building building that muscle and making it lean muscle and flexibility is so important to avoid injury again, you know, from um, that fitness background that you're talking about, Ross. It's important for a guy who had that back injury too to avoid another setback like that. So, um, you know, and and for Fields to practice that footwork, obviously it's going to start with with those offensive linemen. I think Cody Whitehair is is going to be important. Is he that guy who, who's kind of like the lone vet of this team of this unit? And then around him, it's just he's been playing everywhere in the line. He's played some center, and then Dakota Dozier and Larry Borum, uh, Lucas Patrick, all new faces on this line. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see. I think, you know, when you're talking about fields and it's it's about reps at this point, it's it's a new slate, new clean slate with Luke Getze and and all these new weapons too, when clearly it wasn't really working as far as Allen Robinson is concerned, talking about, you know, shedding some cap space earlier too, a guy who wasn't going to come back. You know, you're looking at a mix of Darnell Mooney and Byron Pringle and Villas Jones Jr. So you have some speed, you have some youth and and – for a lot of, uh, for a certain number of these guys, it'll be a good opportunity for them to be his security blanket. And they're going to go up against some, I think, some great talent too. When you talk about the rookies, like, and vets too, with Eddie Jackson, Jaquan Brisker, and Jalen Johnson, Duke Shelley. I think it's it's a good challenge for those the skill position players, those wide receivers, I should say, going up against the, the secondary. So we're going to see very quickly, you know, what the consensus is. You can't tell a lot from, from training camp, obviously, but it's it's so vital, I think, still, even with uh, the lack of full pad practices, because you don't want you want to avoid what has been a big theme over the last several years, I feel like, which is a guy tears his ACL in training camp. 
or a guy blows out his knee on in a non-contact drill. So, you know, you got to hope for the best, but but you still got to go hard because it's very important, especially for these rookies. And there's a lot of them. Yeah. You know, one name that to keep an eye on too is, uh, is Phillies, uh, Phillies, uh, Eagles, excuse me, interior, uh, lineman, um, Isaiah Sumalo. He's, he's a potential cap casualty right now. He's, he's got a lot of, um, you know, experience with Ian Cunningham, who's the assistant general manager right now for the bears. Um, he's a guy that fits their scheme and fits what they're looking for. So I, I think that he's got an opportunity to get released here very soon. Uh, and if he does, I, I would expect the bears to kind of take a flyer on him and, and bring him in. Um, just as more competition for that, for that interior line spot. And it's much needed right now. Um, I know the Bears also made a, a, another front office move today. They they um, they hired uh, Kriffy Shandraskian. Hopefully, I'm saying that correctly. Oh, I, mean, I, I couldn't tell you. But, <laughs> but that is their new director of football analytics. Um, you know, Kriffy spent three years with the Kansas City Chiefs, so obviously a um, you know a, a relationship with new general manager Ryan Poles, and you know it just goes to show how how not only football, but all of sports has embraced the analytic sides of things. And, it, you know, it, it's, it's not just, you know, about X's, X's nose anymore, but these guys look at a lot of data. They look at a lot of numbers and that dictates, you know, how they run plays on the field and who they put on the field. And as many smart people in the room as possible, you know, you'll take it. And especially if they're coming out of that chiefs organization, which has been extremely successful for the last couple of years. Yeah, that's a good point there. It's all about the data now. You you look at any sport, and it's super important. Uh, tape is always, you know, every time these guys go to the sideline, they got a tablet in their hands, and they're looking at what just happened. They're they're still scouting. You know, if you're on defense, you're looking at the offense, and vice versa. So it's um, that's that's definitely a good hire. It sounds like Moneyball just Moneyball isn't just a movie money. with Brad Pitt in it. Yeah, <laughs> it isn't. Yeah, you gotta you gotta crunch those numbers. The analytics are super important. So with the, you know, we, we talked about the offense at length. I know you don't want to give a lot of predictions because it's so early, but there's got to be improvement, right? I think with fields, you know, and even looking at the NFC North, if you just want to put it there as opposed to the rest of NFC and NFL, mm-hmm. but where do you see them ranking, you know, up a, a brand new offense for obviously Justin Fields and Lugetti, a lot of these guys fitting in for the first time mm-hmm. across the board from quarterback to tight end. And I'm wondering, you know, we gave predictions as far as Justin Fields and mine were super blue sky and like uh, I'm I'm very hopeful that he has a good jump in that second year. But again, a lot of it is dependent on his supporting cast. Mm-hmm. So where do you where do you think they're going to be? Are they going to be better than Detroit? That's that's all I want to know right now. I, I, I hope so. Right. Listen, I, I think the Bears, you know, football is a very fickle sport and, you know, things, you know, one to, to five plays a game can can obviously change the, the outcome of a football game. So I won't put an exact record number on their, you know, on what they'll be at this year, but I do think that they will be anywhere between that seven to 10 game range. And like I said, two or three plays a game can make all the difference between are you going to win eight games or nine games or 10 games? But I do think they're going to fall in that range right there. And, you know, I've always preached, you know, more importantly than wins and losses is, is Justin Fields the guy? Is he the guy that steps up and shows you that he can lead this football team and lead this offense and kind of uplift a lot of these younger guys that they have on the team right now? And if, and if as long as they come out this season, let's say they win seven ball games and they come out this season because, uh, saying that Justin Fields unquestionably is the guy, I'm okay with that. 
because you go into the offseason with a ton of cap space, you get your first round pick back, and then all of a sudden it's like it's game on. You're building a foundation to where going forward you hope that you can really build off of and start making these these playoff runs. So, you know, I, I still hold on to that 7 to 10 win, uh, range. They have a fairly, uh, you know, easy schedule, quote unquote. You never know what the schedule is really until you start seeing it from a week to week standpoint and seeing, you know, who's out there and there's always some surprises. But, you know, they've they got tough teams on the schedule. You know, your Buffaloes of the world, you know, playing within the division, going to Green Bay on a, on a Sunday night week two is very difficult. Having a bye week later is, uh, is, is tough too, but... Let's just hope that they can stay relatively healthy and start to gel together. And like I said, Justin Fields takes a, a big step because even if it's only an eight-win season, that is 100% worth it for me. Yeah, agreed there. I think, you know, the offense, certainly you look at your direct competition and there's some, you know, uh, there's up and down quarterbacks as in Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff and then the king of the North currently in Aaron Rodgers. And so you're shooting to still overtake him and you're the young gun out there. You're Justin Fields. It, it's very much, you know, in his and Getsy's hands, so to speak, the direction of this team for the next year. But as far as expectations are concerned, it's, it's certainly going to be one where he's going to take his lumps again. Cause he didn't get consistency. You hope that he plays the majority of the, the schedule this upcoming season and he he takes his lumps, but he also learns a lot and just continues to put up better numbers. You know, we keep comparing him to you know Josh Allen or Donovan McNabb. He's still Justin Fields at the end of the day. He's he's gonna he's gonna compare himself only as far as as uh, those other guys can take him, and he's gonna be his own man and try to be that that next best Bears quarterback, the next best Bears quarterback since like a Jay Cutler at this point, uh, which which always hurts me to hear, but. Yeah, he's uh, as far as the, yeah, the record goes, I, I can't even predict right now. I think a, a 500 season would, yeah, it would be a huge win for them. There's no expectations for them to make the playoffs right now and make a lot of noise, but but that's why you suit up on Sundays and Thursdays and Mondays and Saturdays sometimes. And uh, yeah, it's it's yeah. anyone's guess. Uh, I just want you know, I just you know, like I said, stay relatively healthy, especially these young guys that you really need to take a you know, a, a solid look at. Um, you know, you, you hope that, you know, some, some like the office of line gels and you can find five guys yeah. that you, that you feel really good about consistently. Those are the, those are the wins in the season that you're looking for, right? You're hoping that, you know, the, the two guys who drafted in the second round, you know, can, can sure up that secondary and make them one of the most potent secondaries in the NFL going forward. Um, because, you know, again, being able to, put team put being able to put the offense on a short field and, and being able to you know hopefully get you know create a culture of takeaways again where you can get Justin Fields playing on plus side of field uh and and get him more opportunities to, for red zones and, and, and for touchdown well that makes him you know that puts him in a better position to succeed as well as um you know his up and coming offensive weapons as well yeah we'll have to wait and see mm-hmm. let's move on to the NBA Finals, Ross, and real quick, because uh, uh, no Matt's thoughts there. Um, it would be awesome, number one, if Justin Fields was on the cover of Matt, and hopefully there is no more Matt and Curse anymore, um, a la the the Peyton Hillis days and 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 some of the other guys that that have been on Madden. Um, hey, Tooch, how you doing? Um, but shout out to Madden for making the right call and putting John Madden on the cover of this year's edition. Again, it seems like ages ago, but we did lose John Madden, uh, RIP to him. 
Um, I remember playing the original Madden. That's how old I am. Um, so it'd be really cool to see. That's the first, this is the first time he's been on the cover, uh, I believe, since that edition or pretty close to that edition right after it. So it's really cool to, um, to, to see that again. I hope that they bring uh, the original play-by-play uh, -play from Madden back into the game this year. Um, I think that'd be really cool and really nostalgic as well. But, um, you know, shout out to him. Shout out to, to, that, to them for that honor. And um, how many, like, 12 and 13-year-olds do you think will, like, be looking at the cover this year? It's like, who the hell is that guy? And why is he on the cover of my game? Yeah, they, they won't know who John Madden is, unfortunately. But, yeah, those of us old enough to remember, uh, certainly him actually calling NFL games and then creating that franchise, too, of, of video games that's just – is taken over. It's very fitting that he's on the cover for sure. Very nice. Sure. Very Absolutely. nice tribute. Absolutely. Right now on to the NBA Finals. Warriors versus the Celtics. Yes. Uh, as far as the losers go, I know that uh, the winner has had to go through Jimmy Butler in the heat over the past few years, so mm -hmm. that could be telling in itself. It might be the Celtics' year. Or every time Kendrick puts an album out, the Warriors that, have won the NBA Finals. Yeah, I love those. Those are so funny. <laughs> every year he's putting out an album, the damn year. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then Pimp a Butterfly. You're mm -hmm. exactly right, Ross. So which one do you take? One of them's got to be wrong. One of them's got to be wrong. With the Warriors, uh, obviously just blowing out the Mavericks like you expected and I expected with mm -hmm. a young Luka-led team only stealing one from them in that series. Uh, against the Celtics now, it's it's a toss up to me in that they they both are pretty equipped to to face each other as far as the offensive firepower. When you look at on the Warrior side of things with Steph Curry, and you look at Clay Thompson, the Splash Brothers, and then you look at the scoring output that they have, and then couple in uh, Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole and company, and Draymond if he continues to facilitate like he has been and, and take the shots big shots when he needs to going up, up against a really strong Celtics team that has been, you know, a great surprise, I think, for a lot of people, but not to be unexpected because of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and how they have been so close for so long uh, to get to this point. And, and there's a lot of sort of rental guys out there that um, have also been, you know, like an Al Horford, for instance, who has been – chasing a ring for so long he was with some great hawks teams and then floated around and now he's found a home in boston it should be one of the better finals on paper that we think and and you know i think a lot of people knock the you too ross uh, knock the physicality and just the slow pace of of the heat and celtics and i mean it was it was great in that it seemed a little old school the refs let him play a bit more and then you knew on the other side the warriors were going to get a bit of rest and gear up for whoever they had to play, whether it be the Heat or the Celtics. And both those teams have been pretty close before. Obviously, the Heat had went to the finals a couple of years ago. So I think, you know, I, I, we'll give some predictions towards the end here, but what do you like in the matchup uh, with these guys? Who, who has an immediate edge to you? Yeah, well, immediately what I like is you get um... – you get number one's offense in, in the best ball movement team that we've seen within the last 10 years in the Golden State Warriors. Nobody moves the basketball like them from side to side and gets sure. guys open. Nobody moves around the court within an offense like Steph Curry and, and draws in so much of the defense to him, which opens up more opportunities for guys like Klay Thompson and Jordan Poole and, and other guys on the team. Andrew Wiggins is there as well. Um, but they're facing 
um, arguably the best defensive team in basketball in the Boston Celtics. And, that, and that's led by Marcus Smart, who is the, you know, the defensive player of the year right now. I'd be really curious to see how, how healthy Robert Williams is because I think he's a huge part of this series. He really did not look healthy at, uh, near the end there of that Miami Heat series, and I think that it, it, it hurt them a lot. Um, but you hit it on the head. Al Horf has been playing out of his mind. He looks like he's, he's seven years younger than what he is right now. He's been fantastic. But yeah. I, I wonder if the Warriors have too much offensive firepower for, for the Celtics to be able to keep up with. Um, and are you able to chase Steph Curry around you know, in screens and stuff like that and, and get into a track meet with this Warriors team where you have a guy like Jordan Poole. He literally looks like a track star to me. He's like very long and lean and he gets up and down the court so quickly. And the Celtics have come off of two grueling seven-game series back-to-back where they, it was physical. The Bucs, yeah. they, they beat the crap out of each other, right? That was a physical series. You go right into it against the Heat, and it was just ugly, like, street brawl basketball. And then all of a sudden, you play this team that Golden State, which is the exact opposite. They're, like, poetry in motion, and they move the ball, and they flow, and they run and get up and down the court. And, you know, I think the Celtics needed these few days off because – you know, you're you got to get ready out in San Francisco because, you know, they're they're coming. And I think Steph Curry and the Warriors, that that core group is is kind of saying, listen, we need this title. We need this for our legacy. We need to show you that we can win one more without Kevin Durant. I think Steph Curry really wants to to tie LeBron James and, and be one away from Kobe Bryant in terms of of titles. And um you know, I, I wonder if a, if a team that's young, like like Jason Tatum in the Celtics, are they are they ready for that? Are they ready for everything that comes with the big stage and and starting on and a little bit later games and the Jimmy Kimmel stuff and the, and the stars that show up and and and, and being out in in San Francisco in that stadium, which isn't the Oracle like the old stadium, but can still get very loud. And you're playing against a team with some real championship pedigree. And, you know, arguably one of the best, you know, head coaches in the league who also has been there as a player himself. So he knows, uh, you know, how to, how to um, you know, handle the moment. Yeah, Steve Kerr has been there before. And and from, again, the Popovich coaching tree, we've got Ime Adoka, too, who was mm-hmm. playing against Steph Curry uh, back in his playing days. It's, it's, a fun, it's a fun matchup, man. I think that, again, the Celtics – with that storyline, you look at Jason Tatum and how he's been one of a, a lot of people after this playoff run have put him in the top 10 of players. And how could you not? I mean, the guy who looked up to Kobe so much and plays so well, who moves so well and has such great ball movement for a guy who's what, six, eight, six, seven, something like that, who's so long, mm-hmm. plays great defense, plays both ends of the floor, a true leader. And, and Jalen Brown has been very impressive to watch, too. And he's, he's a great second banana, too. Uh, Jason Tatum, and then those supporting cast guys, it's going to be really telling who who wins by, again, who can be the healthiest and who's the better conditioned team at the end of that. Can Al Horford continue his streak going? Can Robert Williams stay healthy? And Grant Williams get out of foul trouble, guys like that. And then they have some good role players, some good shooters like Peyton Pritchard, you know, who you'd, you'd really look at too, and, and Tice who could play some good minutes. Mm-hmm. And on the Warriors side of things, it, it's like you talked about it, Ross. It's Curry and Clay and and Draymond have been here before. So what are they going to do? They're going to obviously play super well at home and on the road like they have been and and use that experience to their advantage. 
after being to the finals and winning multiple championships at this point, Andrew Wiggins, he's hungry. And then, you know, that, 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 that versatility that the Warriors have with their multiple lineups, I think will cause a lot of problems for the Celtics when you look at it too, even though the Celtics can try and go small as well. But you look at guys like Otto Porter, you might see, I think Adrian Iguodala is expected to maybe play. He's completely out. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so, it's, yeah, he doesn't even have a, a a spot on the court. On the, I mean, like he, you know, as an old sure. guy, you know, he's like he's like a Udonis Haslam now. Yeah. He's, he yes. might as well be one of those guys who looks yes, like he he's is. all pissed, like he played forty minutes. Yes, but is. yeah, you look at the important uh, guys who have been playing, like Kevon Looney, who's also been to multiple finals at this point too, and Jordan Poole. Uh, but it's going to be who, who can outpace the other team. I think you talked about a bit about the. You know, the Warriors Arena versus TD Garden in Boston, both just mm-hmm. incredibly tough places to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, to me, a couple of red flags from 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 both sides for, for both teams is, number one, you know, I, the Warriors sometimes can get a little bit of, you know, complacent and they can, they can seem like they're bored out there. They do lead the league in turnovers and they turn the ball over a lot. You can't do that against this Boston Celtics team because they will make you pay for it. You know, the Warriors were down 55 points one time in a game, in a playoff game this year against Memphis but that didn't even have John Morant on the court. That's that's a huge red flag, right, for a team that wants to win the championship. On the flip side of it, I thought that the Celtics should have closed out that Miami Heat team a long time ago. It didn't need to go seven games. They should have wrapped that up in six and, and when they were at home. And for them to not be able to do that against that shorthand and Miami Heat team, listen, that Heat team – had Tyler Hero on one leg. He wasn't healthy. Jimmy Butler was doing all the heavy lifting. Kyle Lowry looks like he ate 45 Twinkies and then showed up on a basketball court. It, it just wasn't, you know, it, Duncan Robson wasn't even playing. He couldn't get on the court. And so that's a little bit of a red flag for me. And watching that game on Sunday, it was an exciting game, but there's no way the Celtics should have blown like a 15-point lead that they did. And if Jimmy, if Jimmy Butler hits that three, we might be having a different conversation today uh, right. about – about who's in the NBA Finals. So there's some huge glaring holes to me with the Celtics, too. They get very complacent at times. And for me, at the end of the day, just this comes down to Steph, Clay, and Draymond. And you talk about three Hall of Famers who their legacy is on the line. And what is Steph Curry going to do to step up and say, I'm one of the 10 best players of all time, and I'm going to show you in this play in this NBA finals right here, because if he wins this NBA finals and he gets an NBA finals MVP, just like he got the Western conference MVP, put him in the top 10 best players of all time. The guy has revolutionized the game. He's the best shooter of all time. He's got four rings. Now he's a back-to-back MVP. You have to put his name in uh, among the greats that we've ever seen ever. Best point guard of all time at that point. You know what? It, it's I can't argue against it, man. Right. Point guard is such a relative term now. It's so yeah. subjective. Like we, we see it now. He he's a point guard, but Draymond Green position, yeah. Yeah, Draymond, Draymond Green runs all the he runs the yeah. play, you know. But you know, how, what do you want your point guard to be? Do you want your point guard to be Steph Curry? Ah, yeah, please. Or do you want him to be Isaiah <laughs> Thomas or Magic Johnson yeah, or John Stockton Jason or Jason yeah. Kidd? Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's it's kind of like, what do you want your 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 point guard to be? For sure. me, for this day and age, give me the guy that can pull up from 35 feet and hit those threes and and draws every single person on the defense towards you because he's extending the court. He started this whole trend, man. People often forget that of of you know looking down to 
youth level and now how guys like John Moran and um, Trey Young, guys like that who take those ridiculous shots as well, just like Steph, mm-hmm. who is just, you know, we forget too, just early 30s and still has a lot of ball left to play, I feel like, at this point. And yeah. he's yeah. a transcendent player for a good reason. So this could just really further cement his legacy. And mm-hmm. I know that either one, I'd say, you know, either one of these teams – you probably would have led towards, you know, if you're the passive fan, you would lean towards the Bucks and and Suns going back towards it. But there's a reason they played through and and had this great experience across both these teams to get this position. You know, it's interesting. Oh yeah, sorry, Tooch, that's that's no good. I can't c- catch COVID through the computer, which is nice. Mm-hmm. But but uh, stay stay healthy, my friend. Stay healthy. I would say. You know, with the finals, it's always a weird schedule. So it also doesn't create a ton of consistency. You know, it'll tip off tomorrow. They get a ton of rest, good which is, is good yeah. or bad. I don't, I ask a player, they'd give you different responses. So they play yeah. tomorrow. The next game is Sunday. Mm-hmm. Then they're off until like Thursday again. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't really like that, but I get why they're doing it because it's ABC and it's the NBA and, and they're trying to maximize yeah. their and you, want your, and you want your best players like, like, fresh legs and stuff because you want these games to be like good basketball games right I, I think a big reason why jimmy butler missed that three on sunday night is he was just gas and he was probably oh, like God. he was probably in his mind like look man i can't send this to overtime i don't have five more minutes left in me i i'm leaving it all on the court right now and that's why he pulled up for three so you do want these guys um on your biggest stage um you, as well rested as possible i'm okay with the layoff and, and stuff like that um, you know, even touching back on what Nomad said, I, I appreciate what the Warriors did, which was they retooled and they rebuilt um, on the fly, but they did it organically, meaning they went out there and they got Jordan Poole, who's a G League guy. We haven't even seen Wiseman on the court, who was drafted right. top, top yeah. two, two overall, but he's going to be a big part of their team next year. Um, Kaminga has been an awesome player. They got him in the first round as well. They got Gary Payton, uh, the second, obviously we know about his, his old man. They were able to get a lot of homegrown guys to go with this older core. And I really appreciate that, especially when you look at, I hate to always bring LeBron back into things, but you look what LeBron does, which is here, right? LeBron will constantly bring in old veteran high priced names it just doesn't work right i I, i'm taking jordan Poole 10 times out of 10 over russell westbrook right now and frank and and kaminga and stuff like that even a guy like like andrew wiggins who you know they they were able to pick up as well the guy started the all-star game this year he's been outstanding in this playoffs outstanding in this playoffs it's just such a savvy organization there they they're doing things right they remind me of the nba version of the patriots at this point before Tom Brady left. The, before Tom Brady left. They're that new Western Conference power that, and a dynasty. They're the new Spurs in, right. in the way you look at it, the way they've spread it out over this past decade and been able to roll with the punches and build around that central core of, of a few great players. It's, it's, it's eerily similar, right, where you look at, you know, a, a Tim Duncan and Tony Parker and Manu, and then you look at certainly it's a, a lot more firepower with Clay Thompson and Steph and, and Draymond and volatile personalities – and, and kind of an interesting segue. What the fuck was that all about with Kevin Durant and, and Draymond going at each other? It's just like a total misunderstanding and just went so south that Draymond just loves to pick a fight. 
those two guys, they're, they're they are um, they they will tell you they're friends. They've done a podcast together, but I think we also know that those two guys are the reason why probably Kevin Durant is not on the Warriors anymore. Um, is there is no love lost between those two, and they're both very very highly emotional guys who uh, can can tend to jump to conclusions from time to time, and that's what you're going to get out of both of them. So, um, you know, they're, they're two of the NBA's biggest personalities. Um, they remind me a lot of just like 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 Barkley and, and Jack on the set and stuff like that, just kind of throwing jabs at each other, but they're still friends and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I, I think Kevin Durant probably has to be in a tough spot right now too because he thought he was going to a better situation uh, in, in Brooklyn and, and with Kyrie and stuff like that. And now, you know, they're in a tailspin. I don't know where they go from here. because I I, You can't give Kyrie Irving a max contract. I'm sorry. I'm not doing that. And I bet you he wishes that he might have stayed in, in Oakland. And he could have won three, four more rings with Steph Curry, you know. So, and, you know, and, you know, what's his legacy going to be like going forward now, especially if Steph Curry wins another ring without him? Right. You don't really know what's going to happen with, with Kevin Durant at this point when he ended up in Brooklyn with Kyrie, you're in a big stage and, and you're still the guy, but you know, it's also like when the nets initially what sparked this whole run with the Celtics, right. With that trade that landed Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. And, and it was a big trade package. Like, Oh, put them back in the finals. They're, they're here. But you trade for the, the future. You look ahead to the future and rebuilding. And, and I don't think the nets, again, they were looking at, it's again, like you mentioned with LeBron, when you put LaMarcus Aldridge and, and James Harden, all these guys who, who were stars and Blake Griffin and, you know, top picks, but what does it amount to? It doesn't, it doesn't translate to good basketball and winning franchises. So sure. these two teams are very well matched up. I'm super pumped for it. I'd say Warriors in six. Um, I, I say Warriors in seven. In seven, we deserve think, a game seven out of this. I think so. I think it'd be fun. I have a hard time thinking that Boston could get back on a flight to go to San Francisco and win a game there. So I've got Warriors and seven. All right, uh, something or nothing with uh, speaking of Jalen Brown and, and Aaron Donald signing with the Donda Sports, Donda, Donda Sports uh, <laughs> the marketing company. Well, listen, put it like this, right? What better person on the planet right now can market all of their products better than Kanye West who sure. can have a have a stadium tour without an album out and just play random songs off the album and sell out these tours by the way um yeah. have a stem cell player of, of of an album on it that he's charged you 250 dollars for a pair of Yeezys uh on on the aftermarket will go for five six hundred dollars um ginormous Balenciaga boots for twenty for $2,000, however much those cost that sell out quickly and, and gap clothing that you get. The guy is a marketing genius, right? So if you're just trying to purely build your brand and and and, and market off of that, I, I would probably hitch myself to it. I, I, I would bet, I would eventually guess that he's got a lot of uh, very smart people around him as well. You know, he was uh, very close with Virgil Abloh, obviously, before Virgil passed away and a lot of huge, um, he's got a huge, a lot of huge connections in the fashion industry and in every kind of other industry as well. He knows every hip hop artist on the planet. You know, he just, you know, finished doing the album, obviously, for, for Pusha T, and he's wrapping up the album with the game right now. So, you know, I think Jalen Brown and Aaron Donald, from a marketing standpoint, will be in good hands with Kanye West. And uh, I expect them to be wearing some Adidas uh, gear very, very soon. 
and dropping a hot uh, commercial with the Kanye West track in it, right? Which, again, only can help you build your brand. He's had some interesting visual, and, and we know Kanye's pivoted to an icon, and, and all of this artistry is amounted to him being being a fashion icon. Pairing up with the Kardashians, that'll, that'll help mm-hmm. uh, boost your followers and boost uh, your marketing kind of standpoint of things. And he's been an entrepreneur for a while, so it makes a lot of sense for for guys to jump ship for, you know, for a marketing company like this and sure. uh, to get those damn Balenciaga boots right. out of here. <laughs> it's no, it's no different than, than rock nation sports, right. That, J, that Jay-Z yeah. has had and, and even LeBron James has clutched. It's already recognized. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So it's no sure. there's that Kanye verse, probably one of the most useless verses on that Pusha T album. With, uh, <laughs> I, 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 what it was, it was like I, he just wanted the feature, and that was, was that was it. It was. Yeah, I no. like the uh, I like the verse he had with Unc Fabio's album, though. I'll give him that one. The the song with the least oh, yeah. on it. That's a good verse. Yeah. But you figured it'd have something killer, but then you look at uh, you look at Ye, uh, or I'm sorry, if you look at Daytona and, and <laughs> his verse on that too. Yes. He's uh, I don't know. He's pivoted. Maybe he's I don't know between Donda and and between his sports marketing agency and everything else. Who knows what his uh, pr- where his priorities are at besides mm-hmm. dissing uh, Skeet Davidson, <laughs> Skeet, who just left SNL, and I have Skeet. no clue what he did on SNL did. for like seven years. He didn't do a damn thing. He showed up for like the last one. It was ridiculous. Yeah. He would do those. He would do the video shorts. That's about it. He would usually when you, songs. he would That's do like exactly. Usually when you're on SNL, you have your own like character that you can like have a movie with, like. Pete Davidson's character on SNL was Pete Davidson. He was just playing Pete Davidson every Saturday. Yeah, he's just so. a stoned, lanky yeah. dude. That's, that's about it. More shout outs uh, to Ross. Kate McKinnon for leaving. She has been awesome and she oh. had a great run on the show. And A.D. Bryant? Yeah. Bryant oh my God. 100%. Two word, word. Absolutely. And then Keenan will die there. Keenan will never leave there, as he should. He should stay there as long <laughs> as he wants. Why would he leave? Stay I, as long as you can. I will. I will laugh at every Steve Harvey, Keenan Thompson sketch on SNL Hilarious. until until the day I die. So good. Uh, is is David Ortiz also very good? David Ortiz is good. Eat a big Dominican lunch. <laughs> Ross, give me give me your impressions uh, on the White Sox real quick before we dive into our top five. And- uh it's pain. It's pain. Twenty three and twenty four. It's pain. Yeah, they're losing right now, three to five in front of me right here. They're in. Uh, they're in Toronto. Um, it's tough. You know, this was a, a team that we had World Series aspirations, and they can't sure. stay healthy. Luis Robert just came back from COVID. Aloy Jimenez got hurt in the rehab start, and hopefully he can start rehab again. We haven't seen Lance Lynn yet, even though we we said that he was supposed to show up. Hopefully end of May, you know, hopefully he can come back in another week or so. Dallas Keuchel got released because his arm is made out of noodles now. Um, and then just lost to Madison for three weeks with a with a strained groin. So the hits just keep on coming for this team. So, I mean, listen, you have to hope that that they can get healthy and you could tread water until, you know, until then and stay around 500. And sure. then you hope that come, you know, July-ish, you could just go on a run. And that's what they need to do. They need to go on a run. They need to beat the shit out of teams. In the AL Central, they had a winning record in May, which was awesome. But you know, they finished April one and ten against the AL Central. That's not going to cut it. You can't lose to the Cleveland Indians and the Royals and the Twins of the world if you want to win that division. So I still hold out hope for them. But man, they got to get their shit together. I'm not a huge fan of Tony Russa. I think he's the wrong guy for the job, and I think it shows week in and week out. 
Yeah. It, it seems like both a managerial standpoint and then the health aspect is so tough, but get it out of the way now, you know, with your hitters, especially Tim Anderson and Luis Robert, like you mentioned, guys like that who are going to provide a lot of offensive firepower. It, it's very early on. So you, you can't get too discouraged. And, and the fact that they're 500, I mean, you look at obviously the Cubs and the North side aspect of things, they're, they're screwed. I mean, you're looking at the trade deadline and they're more concerned about the concessions in Wrigley and, and the restaurant bar scene around it uh, from that aspect of things. But and getting blown out by the Red Sox, 16 runs and all in consecutive games was just ridiculous. But, but at least the weather's turning for him. So that'll be nice. <laughs> we'll we'll uh, wrap up the show. First of all, Ray Liotta, just tragic, just so tough to to hear that he passed. And obviously his role in, in Goodfellas was was huge. But I, also he had so many, you know, we talked about maybe in, um, in the pre-show, Ross, pivoting to, you know, top five of Ray Liotta. In movies, you know, you, you could get really obscure. And he's had some great roles, certainly, besides Goodfellas. Yeah. I, you know, I loved him as Johnny Depp's dad, as George Young's dad and blow. He was, he was a pretty good character for a pretty minimal part as it were, but he did a lot of comedy, man. He was on the league. He was doing SpongeBob. He was doing all sorts of series. He really just worked his ass off throughout his career. I, you know, you look at his IMDb page and it's staggering, but you, you talk about the outpouring of, of everybody's, um, uh, just being so so saddened by him dying suddenly in the Dominican Republic. If I die, I want to die in the Dominican Republic, first of all. But, uh, you know, Field of Dreams, Goodfellas, all his, his co, um, co-stars in those films were, were very touched by it and had very touching tributes, I should say. You know, Sigourney Weaver talking about it and um, his co-star in Goodfellas, who I'm forgetting her name right now, really just... Um, um, Lauren Bracco, that's Lauren Bracco, yes. Lauren Bracco came, yeah, just saying the favorite part of Goodfellas was him. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's tough. Um, I mean, his legacy is certainly cemented. And and most recently, you're talking about movies, uh, The Many Saints of Newark, which I didn't see. And I think it was forgettable for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I heard he was a saving grace for it, though, for the most part. So, yeah, he was. He was. He was. He was an outstanding actor. He's a guy who, you know, you felt like coming out of, uh, Goodfellas probably would have been one of the five biggest stars in, in, in the world. It didn't quite work out that way, but he did, um, you know, my favorite um, film genre is the garbage crime movies, which are like kind of like those B-level crime films, dramas. They're a little formulaic, but you know what you're going to get. They're great to watch like on a Friday night, stuff like that. You grab a beer. He did some awesome garbage crime movies. I, I, unlawful Entry, was a, it was a ter- terrific movie. He did like Turbulence and Unforgettable. Copland, I told you about earlier. Yeah. I'm going to rewatch Copland probably uh, this Friday night because I haven't seen it in such a long time. He was in Identity with John Cusack, which is a very underrated kind of you know thriller, um, you know horror film. Um, the guy was just, like you said, his IMDb is nuts. Just a ton, a ton of movies that he did. Um even the place behind the pines was an awesome movie as well. That's a Ryan Gosling film that that he's in as well. So just a terrific actor. The guy just was working nonstop all the way up until the end. Um, and you know, it's it, it's sad we we lose a guy who um, at least that you have his art to to live on, and you always have that iconic role. I mean, Henry Hill has got to be one of the most iconic movie characters of all time. Of course, it's based on a true story, right. but. 
Um, for as good as he was as the the early part of, of Goodfellas there, where he's playing like that young, up-and-coming mobster guy, my favorite is when he's just like a coked-out mess, like just yeah. rolling around for the last looking for choppers. movie. Yeah, I'm like, God, yeah. looking for choppers. He is just a train wreck, and he plays that role perfectly. The, the, the scene where Karen flushes the coke down the toilet, and he asks her why he's doing it, he just breaks down, he's yelling at her, and I'm like, it's just amazing, amazing stuff. He was just such a talented guy. So we, we lost a good one for sure. We did. And iconic, you know, so quotable Goodfellas. Uh, but, yeah, that was <laughs> it was quite the turn and quite the journey towards the end where mm-hmm. all he's ratting on his buddies and everybody's dying and he's just a, a coked out mess and, and mm-hmm. just a regular guy, regular schmo. Mm-hmm. And uh, so t- bringing us to the top five, Ross, Ooh. you know, the Top Gun is out. There's a lot of great reviews about Top Gun, by the way. I got to get yeah. out and see it very soon. I don't know if you've seen it yet, Ross, but it's it's on my list. It is. I, I want to see it this weekend. Of course, I was moving last weekend, so I didn't get to see it opening day, but it did set a record for biggest Memorial Day opening of all time, which is super impressive considering that we're still in a little bit of a pandemic here. So, right. Tom Cruise still has his fastball, even though he's pivoted now to just being like white Jackie Chan, where he's doing all his own stunts and and jumping out of airplanes and and flying real helicopters and buildings and stuff like that. Uh, You know, the guy is just, you know, he he is at almost 60 years old, or I think he is 60 years old now. He's becoming um, probably our most bankable action star that we have right now, right? Like like if Tom Cruise is an action movie, you probably feel pretty good about that movie being good and uh you know he's going to give you something legit which i appreciate i'm so taken i'm so sick and tired of the cgi bullshit that we're getting now from from the superhero movies and from these fast and furious movies and stuff like that it's good to actually see a guy say i'm gonna i I want real life action and so i appreciate what tom cruise is still doing yeah, I appreciate that too. I knew you were talking about how it just took you out of Doctor Strange, for example. Oh, Marvel is just so CGI. Yeah. I mean, we we never really see besides like indie movies, we don't see a lot of true sort of action movies that mm-hmm. aren't just absolutely CGI heavy that are just shot on green screen. I know exactly. we were talking about talking to Aldo about it, and you know Jennifer Connelly's in this this new one. It's yeah. going to be great. Al Kilmer coming back. I know yeah, John. Iceman. Good cast. Yes, Iceman. I, I know it was great. Uh, what was the young man's name? Glenn Powell. I was reading mm-hmm. about him. And he was talking about how Tom Cruise inspired him to become an actor. And he was, you know, Glenn Powell auditioned for the part of Goose's son that Miles Teller got mm-hmm. and didn't get it. And Tom Cruise, like, sat down with him and, and convinced him to take this other role. And it's going to be – I'm excited to see it. The re- I haven't seen a bad review so far. So yeah, leading us to the star of Top Gun uh, – it's Tom Cruise, and yeah. we got a top five, Ross. Top five. So what What's your five going? Well, five? this was extremely difficult for me because Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is listen. The guy is is gone on since the eighties, right? We were introduced to him um, so- basically with, with Risky Business with with him and Rebecca De Mornay uh, on there, and he's been in our lives ever since then. So there's a lot of movies that are left off my list that I love. I love Risky Business. Um, I love cocktail for for as cheesy it is. I like interview with a vampire, um, and I can go on and on. Um, Edge of Tomorrow is is one of my favorite uh, sci-fi movies to come out in a long time. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's got um, him and Emily Blunt in it. Um, but to start off at my number five, I'm going to give you a movie that I thought he should have um, been nominated for an Oscar for and should have won, and that's Jerry Maguire. 
Um, I don't I don't know anybody else who could have been Jerry Maguire who could have pulled that off the way he did. It's a it's a very versatile movie. It's a sports film. It's a rom com. It's funny as hell. It can be sad. It can be touching at times. I thought he was absolutely outstanding in that movie opposite him and, and Renee Zellweger. And of course, we know uh, Cooper Gooden Jr. won an Oscar for that. But Jerry Jerry Maguire is one of the most rewatchable Tom Cruise movies. It's absolutely awesome. You can jump in at any time and watch it. And he's fantastic in that movie. That's my number five. That's number five. My goodness. Well, I'd go straight to cocktail if I'm looking at five. Ooh, inspired me to, inspired me to be the bartender, for God's sakes. Come on. Cause so law. That, that, and, that and as far as just cheesy roles like that and Tropic Thunder are, are so great to see Tom Cruise and, and, and Tropic Thunder, if everybody remembers how underrated this movie is, too. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he was outstanding as Les Grossman and, and the fat suit and, and yep. dancing out there. And he had some great one liners in that, too. He was very funny for a guy who's, you know, I think has been seemed as a little bit kind of prickly for a lot of people and, and aggressive. Like he knows his comedic side and it's come out recently with that. Uh, so cocktail would probably be five. I mean, number four would be, you know, a few good men. Ooh. Yeah, that, that would certainly be there. Oh, look at that. The skills. Yes, sir. Is that up there for you, Ross? Few Good Men. Few Good Men is number uh, two on my list. Uh, okay. num- number four on my list is hold on, where's my list at? I had it right here. Yep, that's right. Number four on my list is the movie that started off a a franchise that he has kept going very strong to this day, and that is the original Mission Impossible. I still think the original Mission Impossible is phenomenal. It's a Brian De Palma film, and Brian De Palma, as you know, has done Carlito's Way and Scarface and a lot of other classic films. Um, It is like the opening scene of the original Mission Impossible where all his crew gets killed, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, it's like 20 years old now. Um, it's it's an absolutely riveting spy thriller to start the movie. And he's fantastic in the movie. He's in every single scene of the movie. He is carrying the movie. The scene that Aldo has up here right now where he has to stay quiet and, and kind of get the little key card thing in there is just one of the most intense seven-minute like silent scenes that you've seen in an action movie of all time. It's a phenomenal film. I implore everybody to go back. If you're if you're a, a, a spy espionage fan, go back and watch the original Mission Impossible. It still holds up to this day. Edge of Tomorrow too, which is phenomenal. I am with you there. It's a, it's a, such an underrated movie. But yeah, Edge Mission Impossible is next on my list. Edge of Tomorrow, the one that is like a Groundhog Day sort of thing, where yes. has to continue to repeat. Yes. It's ironic. He said you can watch it multiple times. Yes. What you're doing? He keeps dying uh, over and over again. Yep. Anything with Emily Blunt, too. She's fantastic. Emily but Blunt. yeah, this, this scene yep. was an incredible. Well, what's number three for you, Ross? Number three on my list is, um, so, you know, you might know I'm a huge Michael Mann fan. I love Michael Mann movies. Uh, you know, Heat is up there as well for as one of my favorite movies all time. So I had to get a Michael Mann movie on my list. Collateral is such yeah. an awesome Tom Cruise it uh, is. role. My God, him and Jamie Foxx. You get a little Jay Pickett in there. You get a little Mark Ruffalo in there as well. But Tom Cruise just being the hitman going all over the city of L.A. with Jamie Foxx chauffeuring him around and killing people is absolutely fantastic. Um, that role was originally supposed to go to Russell Crowe. And that movie was supposed to originally be directed by um, Spike Lee. And um, I, I think both of those guys would have done a great job with that, but I can't see 
anybody else at the moment playing that role the way Tom Cruise did. And I think that's one of the few times where you can remember Tom Cruise's career where he's genuinely a bad guy in the movie. Like he's just a bad, bad person in this movie. Right. That's just not something that he normally does. And I think he's absolutely phenomenal in that movie. All right. Give me your top two. Top two. Number two for me is A Few Good Men. A Few Good Men is is still a great movie. I love a good um I love a good um court scene drama movie. I think he's awesome um opposite uh Demi Moore in the movie. But obviously, I think the scene with him opposite Jack Wilkinson where he's interrogating him and you you can't handle the truth and you cut him loose and he's screwed. I think that scene is what made Tom Cruise the mega superstar that that he came to be because anytime that you can go opposite Jack Nicholson and raise your voice and kind of check him and put him in line, Jack Nicholson is a, an icon. Um, I think that's what catapulted him to superstar status. And you see from there, you start looking at his IMDb after that movie. It's just hit after hit after hit. They are all rattling off after one, after one, after that. And I think that's the one that, that put him there. He's good looking in the, in the movie. He's wearing the suit. Well, he's, He's kind of walking around. He's got a baseball bat in his hand where he's saying that it helps him think. Um, a Few Good Men is an awesome movie. Another highly rewatchable film. It is great. And really, number one and number two, again, like you talked about, sort of peak Tom Cruise introducing himself to be the superstar that we know is Mission Possible and Jerry Maguire. So those would be like 1A, 1B for me. And and we just talked about those roles, just catapulting them to, to stardom. So number one for you? It's Top Gun. It's, it's, it's Top always- Gun. It's always Top Gun. Listen, as I, I've, I was born in 1981, so you can imagine from age 8 until age 12, 13, I watched Top Gun almost nonstop all the time. It was on all the time on cable. It's such a fun film. It's such a fun film to watch. He is awesome in that movie. I can watch it over and over. It still holds up to this day. Um, obviously, with it having such a huge opening all these years later, is a cult classic. I think it's the ultimate dad movie. I think every dad will probably tell you that they love Top Gun. Um, it's just an um, unbelievable movie. And uh, shout out to Tom Cruise and Jerry Bruckheimer for making a true classic. And I cannot wait to see the sequel. It's iconic. It, it's all, you know, it, it's not quite my generation is the only reason it's not in the top five to me. And, and there's just, there's a lot of cheesiness to it. But but it is outstanding. And, and I think, again, talking about the need for certain uh, special effects and, and current movies, but this set a, a high bar for a lot of action movies to come. And, and I do love the back and forth between Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer and how mm-hmm. really Tom Cruise is that villain because he's the one who you know, gets goose killed and he's the one who's really just a dangerous uh, co-pilot out there and pilot. So mm-hmm. to see him come full circles is cool to see. And, and I'm, again, leads back to this new Top Gun coming out. It's going to be gangbusters. That's right. You've lost that love and feeling. That's what, that's what they sing in the song, in the movie. Um, I, I want it really hard to get Rain Man on the list. I think Rain Man is a super underrated Tom Cruise performance. Sure. Last I Samurai was good. Yeah. Last Samurai is good. I think him opposite um, uh, Dustin Hoffman, who, of course, won a, an Oscar for that role, I think is, uh, is really good as well. And I, 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 wanted, to get, I, I wanted to shoehorn interview with a vampire in there even though it's not a great movie i just think tom cruise as a as a scary vampire is just really really weird and kooky and, and i can't believe he took that role just like eyes wide shut he does he did a kubrick movie like you know stanley kubrick before he died that's his last movie i mean he's got some some roles on there he's got a pta movie on there and magnolia 
um, which is well. So Tom Cruise has, has gone out on the limb um, in his career and takes some really, some really cool roles. I think since he really leaned into the Scientology stuff, he's been more of like this, I'm just going to be a robot and throw myself out of airplanes and stuff like that. He doesn't really take yeah. on those, those roles anymore, but you know, that's okay. I, I, I would like to see him like one or two times before he, he wraps it up, maybe do like a Tarantino movie or a Scorsese movie or something like that. I think that would be really cool for him to go back to some of these iconic directors um, and, and do one of those prestige parts again before he stops acting. Yeah. Change up from, uh, jumping on, jumping onto planes and off of planes, uh, mm-hmm. i.e., Top Gun and Mission Impossible. There's part one and part two of Mission Impossible, the next installment in the franchise mm-hmm. coming up soon. So he's got he's got a lot left in the tank. Talk about a guy who will uh, die on a film set. It's unbelievable mm-hmm. his work ethic too. It's incredible doing all his own stunts. We have run out of time, run out of show. Thanks to everybody for listening in and watching us here on Barroom network youtube channel remember if you missed any of our previous shows you didn't catch all of this one we're on the youtube channel we're on spotify itunes podbean wherever you get your audio and visuals i'm at the real evan mac and ross is at ross reed on twitter and social media the amber heard johnny depp uh, trials over go find a new show everybody science fiction is next at nine o'clock for now we say peace out everybody be good to each other out there so long please Thank you.